Welcome to the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, one of the most significant values we provide our clients is leveraging our experience helping hundreds successfully navigate through life's transitions. On this podcast, our advisor team explores some of the questions we get every day from our clients. We share some insights on financial topics, and we interview some fantastic professionals from our vast network. Our hope is that you leave with some food for thought and some good ideas to consider. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to this episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. My name is Jason Gabrielli from HFM Investment Advisors, and today I am joined by Frank Anastasi, my very, very, very long-term friend, <laughs> CPA, relatively recent real estate investor extraordinaire. Welcome to the podcast, Frank. Thanks for having me, Jay. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So I mentioned to you before that over the course of our business working with clients, a lot of the times what we hear is that they want to start getting involved in real estate. I know that takes many different forms and we could probably talk for hours about that. But you mentioned when you talk to people about real estate, there's a handful of questions that come up right in the beginning, especially new investors. So before we get into those questions, why don't you give us a little background and like how you got into real estate? I've been a CPA for about 15 years now, maybe longer. I've always wanted to invest in real estate. Started probably somewhere around 2020, got the first one, turned that into, it was profiting, brought my brother in as a partner. We bought our second one and then it kind of steamrolled. I started doing a lot of homework, talking to a lot of people about what does that look like? All the basic questions that we'll cover today. And CPAs are good with numbers, right? So you just kind of- Yeah, yeah. So understanding the basic numbers is a little advantage, I guess. But I would say that once we really start to understand all the other aspects, not the basics, but really understanding the business, we kind of took it to another level and we started to really say, okay, how much more cash should we put in? What does the next deal look like? Right? All the other questions. I would say right? it's fair to say that you guys almost had it down to a science. And there's a lot of little pieces that comes along with that, sure. but it, it takes a lot of work to start growing it. But I started probably two and a half years ago. And Having the answers or relative answers to those basic questions, okay, then we put some extra time, energy, effort into it because we saw the growth and take it to the next level. I remember when we were just talking as friends two or three years ago when you first started your first property. And I think the words that will forever live in infamy is, <laughs> I think I'm going to add one a year. Yeah. And I think that changed somewhere along the line, like one a month. Then it was like, yeah, you know. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> it's a lot. That changed a little bit. Yeah. And so today we recognize that your average real estate investor is probably not going to build the type of organization that you've built and the type of portfolio that you've built in the time that you've done it. But with that, you've learned so much. And so as a value to our listeners, realizing that the type of investing that we do at HFM is one way to invest your money, but there are other ways. And when we consider a financial plan, it's very possible that real estate fits into that. And so we wanted to provide people with the answers to those top three questions that you get when you talk to a new real estate investor. So why don't you kind of lay them on us? So the first question is always, how much cash do I need to sure. invest? You see everyone kind of growing their portfolio, but not everyone, even including myself, has a million, $2 million to start investing. You're trying to figure it out. The next one is, okay, I have my cash. How do you evaluate the investment? What's the right property to get into? And that's different for everybody because of what your goals are from an investing standpoint. Everyone's goals are different. And Absolutely. then once you have the answers to those two, how do you get started? What is going to take me to make that first investment? After you figure out the cash, what it looks like, the investment, all right, take the plunge. How do you get started and go from there? 
And I know the first question about how much is enough cash. I think there's maybe even a precursor to that is how do I know I'm in a position to even consider this? And so I got to give a little financial planners, (laughs) public service announcement that real estate investing can absolutely be very, very advantageous for your balance sheet and building your balance sheet and building your financial plan. But if you have $30,000 in credit card debt and you have these things that you don't have any money saved, you don't have an emergency reserve, you got to make sure that you're in sound financial standing. You have a steady income, you have things like that to really put yourself in a position to even consider something like this. Would you agree? That's what we did. I mean, I was working full time, had my W-2 coming in. And once we started to get to that where we thought we were comfortable, okay, we just kind of infused the business with the cash that we were using like we were just shifting the cash from W-2 sure. to the real estate business. So talk to us about that first question. How much cash do I need? Loaded question. It, it is. It's a loaded question. I would say if you asked me this a year ago with where prior to what has been going on in the market, I would have said about 100K to do it yourself. I always tell investors, do it yourself. If you can do it, do it yourself. And that's kind of where that 100K is. Now, I would say it's probably between 130 and 150. Wow. Because values have gone up about 20, 25% over the last year. They're taking a hiatus right now, but I would think that the cash has to kind of follow, but I would say between 130 and 150. To get in your first property. Yeah. Between, and again, it comes down to what does the investment look like? Question number two. Exactly. So they're all hand in hand, but that's kind of the main 130 to 150. Now that could be from your primary house. It could be from- As in taking equity out. Taking equity out. Yeah. Taking that out. It could be from taking a load against your 401k. You might we'll not keep that between yeah, us, Frank. Yeah. But it can also be cash that you have sitting around. And it's not doing anything right now. But that's what I would say would be the bare minimum. I would say to like, once you have all your stuff in place, okay, that would be the number. And I think kind of dovetailing into that second question, which is what does the deal look like? Or how do you structure a deal? Right? How do you evaluate a deal? Maybe even tell us a little bit about when you talk about investing in real estate, specifically what your experience was, the type of properties that you've invested in, how those deals might differ. We started with single family residences. It's a really good way to get started, single family. I think that's what most people mean when they say they want to get into real estate. I think that's, most people aren't ready to jump into commercial or jump into multifamily. Most people are talking about that. And the multifamily, I mean, there's benefits to multifamily because of your cash on cash and things like that. But the single family residences, you want to understand all the aspects of the business from whether it's the rehab, whether it's understanding the financing out of it or the property management of it. Dealing with one tenant is always easier than dealing with two or three in a multifamily. And that's just on the residential side. But I recommend that. You'll hear a lot. I mean, everyone has a different strategy when it comes to investments, whether it's a single versus multi versus commercial. I mean, and commercial in New Jersey is anything over four units is considered commercial. Even if it's residential housing, it's still anything over four units is considered commercial. And some people would say that leaving cash into the deal, leaving cash into your first investment is better. Buying it with 20% equity as opposed to trying to do the burst strategy that we typically do, but buying it and just leaving the cash in there to understand, forgetting about renovation and rehab, just leave, park your cash in there. You're going to start to see your returns. And that's what we did. Our first two properties, we left our cash in. We sure. bought it, left the cash in, and they were profiting. We were in the financial capacity to be able to then say, all right, the next level is to not leave as much cash in. Let's try and figure out the burst strategy. Well, let's talk about what that deal looks like. How do you evaluate your first deal? Put you kind of back in that mindset of like, you're going to do a single family residence and you're looking at this opportunity. How do you take into account 
all those rarest kind of terminologies and things you were mentioning? So the number one thing is figuring out, can you make enough on your rent, on your top line number to pay off your debt? That is the number one thing you need to look at. I don't care. Every house is going to have, whether it's a renovation, whether it's maintenance, you're going to have something that's going to come up. Every house has. So having a good sense of what those things are going to cost you up front is important because you can't have surprises. Surprises are going to hurt you. They will hurt you. But knowing, having that cash flow, understanding what that looks like on a monthly basis is critical to understand, like knowing if it's a good investment for you. Can you walk us through like an example maybe? On the birth strategy? Like, like using some numbers. Okay. So, so, on, so if, we're deal, go, if we're going to talk about 100, 130, 150, yeah, so let's, cash, do that. let's go there. If you want to leave money into the deal, you can put 20% down on, on that and you can park that hundred and some thousand dollars and just cash flow. You'll know what your rents are. It's a good property. You know what your mortgage is and maintenance on that is going to be relatively low. So I factor in somewhere between three and 5% okay. additional. And that's you doing the property management. Obviously there's increased fees, an extra eight to 10% when you add in a property manager. But if you're going to start, you can park it in there. If you want to do the flip side of it, the burst strategy, what you do is with that, we'll just say 150 for even number. You buy a house for a hundred, you put 50,000 into it. You know, well, you do the research to understand what that value is, that appraised value is going to come in at, and then you refinance back out that 150,000. So if that appraised value is 200, you get 75% leverage on your money. You take out that 150K back again. So and you can go and use it on a new You can go property. and do it again. Through that process, you have to understand, again, what is your total rents? What is your debt service? So it all comes down to, does the property make a 1.2 debt service coverage ratio, which is- Say that for us in English, CPA. Yeah. <laughs> so is it 1.2? So is your mortgage and taxes and your pity payment $1,000 a month? If it's $1,000 a month, I need to- Rent it out for twelve hundred a month. Gotcha. So that's Good. kind of the baseline. Every bank looks at one point two. Most banks. Some are lenient with one point one, but it's not really a good investment if it's at one point two, to be honest with you. Because you're only profiting two hundred dollars a thin. month. Two hundred dollars a month. I mean, that's twenty four hundred a year. You need a new roof at six grand, eight yeah. grand. With current prices, it might be ten. So that's gone for So what's a good ratio? Profit. What's something that you'd really want to strive for? I would say most of our portfolio is somewhere between one point eight and two point two. And that's what we strive for. So that includes buying a distressed house that's maybe already has, if it's a multifamily house, it already has renters in it. But then over time, you have to increase rents or basically remove them from there because they can't afford what the market value is and then put someone else in place to be able to get there. So you might buy a property at a 1.3. You won't be able to buy a property that's showing that's below 1.2. Right, the bank so, won't approve. Right, you won't be able to refinance it. So you have to prove that you're at a 1.2. So it's through that whole process, getting it to not higher number. And we're at a 1.8 to 2.2, I would say prior to our property management fee. So we're somewhere probably around 1.5, 1.6 across the net. board. Yeah, net. And that's a really strong. So think about that. For every month of rent, I have one and a half months of payment, pity payment sure. ready. So for every two months, I'm getting that third pity payment already paid for. Gotcha. And that's really what we strive for because is it aggressive? Sure. But once we're in a 30 year note, the top line is always going to increase. Your rents are always over time increase. So once we are able to start getting the increased rents, we can then go from 1.5, 1.6 to two after property management fee. So it's a long-term play. So when you're looking in your first deal and you're getting your example, 
If you were buying that house for $100,000, knowing you're going to have to put around $50,000 into it, you're going to be $150,000 into it. When you say the words, keep your cash in the deal, a lot of times people are saying, you're just leaving it. You're not necessarily refinancing out. That's kind of next level. That's where you try to get it appraised for 200. You cash out 150, keeping the 50 in equity, of course, because that's what the bank's going to require. And then you're taking that 150 and you're putting it into the next deal. That was kind of the next level up for when you're ready for that second deal. And that's where you're able to relatively use that same 130 to 150K. As leverage, right? As leverage, but you're always, you're recycling that same money. Right. Unless you want to grow. If you want to continue to grow, you're like, I'm able to continue to do this. You can then infuse it with cash. And that's what we've done. That's why we've grown to where we are today because we just keep infusing it with cash. Well, so I guess that kind of leads us to the next question. We talk about banks and we talk about who's going to come up with the, when you're ready to get your cash out of the deal, as you say, and you're ready to buy that next property and use that money over and over again. Talk to us about just briefly, where are you going for that money? It's not, I'm going to assume you're not going to Green Tree Mortgage. Like, are you going to a specialized lender? How does that work? Yeah. So there's a ton of lenders out there that operate in this space. A lot of it's private money. Some of the papers actually traded on Wall Street, depending on who you're going through, but they're asset-based loans. They are pulling your credit, but it's only to see, to make sure you can handle some of the debt service. Like They do ask you for your portfolio. They ask you where you are. They're right? more interested in how the business of the know, rents is operating. Right. They want to gotcha. know, are you operating in a net positive on your rent roll? That's what they're looking yeah. for. And that's where that ratio comes in. Right. Play. Yeah. It's a big, know, it's a, it's a big factor. It's a, it's a big two, factor right. across the board. So the banks, they look at that. They start taking you seriously after five deals, whether that's a renovation and a flip, or that's you building your own rent roll. They look for, once you have five, the banks will start to approve you by yourself. It's in kind of a no brainer, but some will also take you at a lesser leverage if you have W-2 income, if you have a good amount of alternative income. Right. So every bank, again, they're all different. All the leverage is different, but there's a lot of lenders that operate here. Like you just got to know who they are. You have to be put in place in the face of the right person. And over the last couple of years, I've networked with a lot of different lenders. Once you're in that world, it's a pretty big space, right? Yeah. You don't realize how many companies are actually out there doing this until you start talking to people. Sure. I mean, that's all about networking, figuring that out. And all the debt, so if you go from the rehab, there's rehab notes, which they'll front your construction. Instead of you putting 130, 150 grand, they'll give you a rehab note to be able to refinance out. And then there's also the 30-year paper. More of a traditional mortgage. More just, right, but it's all asset-based. So they're looking at the debt service coverage. They're sure. looking at those items to see, all right, how much cash are they willing to give you for your mortgage? There's a lot of banks actually that do it. Well, that's what it sounds like just in general. There's a lot to this onion underneath the surface. So I got to tell you, I definitely really appreciate you giving us this high level understanding. We always say when people search financial information on Google, you get 12 billion results, but they don't really know how it applies to them. I think when you search real estate investing, you probably get 15 billion results. And so to hear somebody break it down, this is how it kind of works. This is how I did it. This is how it works for real people is really valuable to our listeners. So I appreciate you being here today. And I know because there is so much complexity, you actually do some work consulting with real estate investors. So if people want to get in touch with you, if they have questions about doing this on their own or doing this for themselves, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So my email is frank at area, A-R-E-A hyphen LLC.com. Just email me. I'll answer any question if you're serious about it. I can attest to that. I refer to a lot of people. To I do get a lot of questions. I'll take the time to listen to somebody. I'll never not listen to what people are trying to do because that's what I did. 
I got introduced to somebody and next thing you know, I called them every day to figure it out, to understand it. It's nerve wracking going into your first deal, but because you're cutting a bigger check, you're putting faith into somebody that you necessarily don't know to understand it. But I've done it multiple times yeah. <laughs> over the last couple of years, right? Just, just, <laughs> just a couple. A few. Yeah. But I'll answer any question. I also have built a relationship with some of the investors in my network where I also help them on the tax side too, like tax strategies, figuring out like if they're flipping houses, if they're just building their rent roll, what is their strategy? What's their goals? All yeah. everything that you get that math right. Because I mean, at the end of the day, your goals are how you position your investments, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever those might be. Yeah, well, exactly. Everyone Achieve has your goals. goals. Everyone comes has, down to, right? Everyone has different ones. So you said it. I started with one. My goal was one a year. Changed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I appreciate you being a guest here on the podcast. And to everyone out there, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We're on Apple. We're on Amazon. We're on Spotify. We're on everything. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. You'll get a notification every time we load up a new episode. And everybody enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, our mission is to educate and empower our clients to make wise financial decisions. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at hfmadvisors.com. The Dollar Wise Podcast is presented by HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor firm. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.